Welcome to KJV Cafe, where we explore great truths from God's holy word in a simple, down-to-earth fashion. Romans 10:17 shows us where faith comes from. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's grow our faith together in the cafe today. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. Grab your Bible and a hot cup of coffee or tea and join us now as we explore God's Holy Word. All right, welcome back to the cafe today. We are in John 4 and we are going through a five-part series on Jesus and what we can learn from him as he goes to and deals with that Samaritan woman and by virtue of her, many in Samaria and the great work that the Lord did there. And we're learning so much about the traits of Jesus. And last uh, episode, we discussed uh, God's providence, the idea that where God guides, he provides, but more, more importantly, uh, the Christian that's close to God will have God's guidance. And uh, you know the Bible says to draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you and that we must cleanse our hands as filthy sinners. We must get right. And I think these are instructions that God gives us as to how we are to live for him, how we are to live for him, right? And, And we see God's instructions, his guidance coming to us when we have a clear conscience before him. Now you're saying, well, Brother Clark, I'm not perfect. Are you? No, I'm not perfect. I'm perfectly imperfect. Amen. There's no way I could be perfect on this earth. Neither can you. But what we both could do is go to God in repentance, in earnest repentance, just when we even feel that sin might be coming upon us, that we might have messed up, uh, when we know that the situation has not gone as it should, uh, that we see trouble in our life. You know, I don't know any Christians that repent before God uh, and God uh, reprimands them for repenting before God. Uh, But I know many that God rewards with closeness before by repenting before him. And so we're not saved by works, amen. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. And at the same time, as the book of James points out, without works, our faith is dead. It's nothing. And so we must go to the Lord and and seek him earnestly, repent before him, draw nigh to him, get in his word, and then we'll understand what he might want us to do. And isn't that the desire of every Christian to do the will of God? So we were in uh, uh, John chapter 4, And we're just a few verses in, so I'll just start from the beginning again, uh, as we had last time, John 4. And when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. And that's where we put it in park and talked about God's providence. You know, why would Jesus need to go through Samaria? Who gave Jesus that command to go through Samaria? Why culturally that was not thought upon as a good idea at that time? Why biblically we can see the Samaritans didn't get along with the Jews? Why Jesus chose to do it, why he needed to do it was, I believe, because of his prayer life, because of his obedience to the Father, and because the Father, in his great foreknowledge, knew the book of John to be written, knew that this scripture be in here, knew that the Samaritan woman would represent many of us sinners here today, knew that we could get so much of it, and so that's why God had called Jesus to do it, and Jesus, in his perfect obedience, did it. Verse 5, then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sichar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, we talked last time as well about how Jacob and Joseph, uh, Jacob being Israel, uh, the patriarch, right, 
Uh, and, you know, we go all the way back to Father Abraham, right? You have Abraham, who was justified by his faith, and Abraham on Sarah at very old age have Isaac, right? And Isaac was like the, the cherished child, amen, the one they never thought they could have. Uh, of course, they had tried to do it their own way with Ishmael and uh, Hagar, the, the bondwoman, but God forgave that, amen, blessed Ishmael anyways. And in the long run, after many years of patience, by the way, there's so much we can learn about Abraham and Sarah being patient and being obedient, not perfect, but being obedient. There's a lot of lessons there. They have Isaac, and then Isaac, he's just a beautiful uh, picture of God's grace and, and mercy and love, and uh, we're studying Isaac right now in our uh, Bible study here at Heartland Community Baptist Church in Lincoln, North Carolina, uh, specifically on um, Sunday nights, and we see Isaac as a non-confrontational, as loving and all the rest. Uh, he's wonderful. He's like a diplomat in, in the scriptures, and we see Isaac uh, and Rebecca, they're going to have Jacob, amen. And then you got Jacob and Esau and all that comes with it, amen. And so with Jacob, uh, we have a well here. He was building the wells. Uh, and that was in Gerar, actually, uh, where Isaac was uh, doing well and building these wells, not having a problem. And we've got Jacob here. And what we see is... Uh, Verse 6, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And again, you can look at all of um, this idea of uh, Jacob giving uh, the parcel of ground to Joseph, Jacob's well, the living water. There's so much there that's rich in history, which helps us understand that the Old Testament, the New Testament, they serve each other perfectly, and they all point to Jesus. Uh, and there cometh a woman, in verse 7, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Uh, Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Okay, so here we are in verse 7 of John 4, and we see our point come into picture. Our point for today is purpose. And here in verse 7, seven it says, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. So here we see there is a purpose to why Jesus went to Samaria, and there is a purpose to why he asked her to give him water. Uh, it was not just that he couldn't get the water himself, uh, though she may have had a bucket or a cup or something that he could have used, but he's God, amen, God would have supplied it, I believe it, but he wanted to prove a point and illustrate his deity. Verse 8, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. So again, God's providence, he allowed just Jesus, Jesus and this woman to be alone because it probably would have gone differently if the disciples were around. At least it would have been more awkward. Uh, verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So we've already gone through that. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given the, the living water. And so Jesus is letting her know, and here we have a tongue twister, amen, a tongue twister. We have Jesus answering her, because she said, well, you know, how could you ask me, you being a Jew, me being a Samaritan? And he answers her and says, if thou knewest the gift of God, so if she knew the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, right? If you knew who, who I am, right? Then you, thou, wouldest have asked of him, 
and he would have given thee living water. So this one is, we're on edit number two or three on this particular point. And the reason why is Jesus is saying, if you knew who was asking you for water, right, you, you, you probably would have given it. But hey, you know what? You would have asked him or God, and he would have given you living water. So it was kind of like this double point of, you know, um, if you knew this was God, you'd be obedient, of course. Um, and then you'd ask yourself, you'd say, okay, well, if you're God, what can you give me? Could you give me life? Could you give me health? Could you help me out of my problems? This woman had problems like we all do. In verse 11, the woman, saying, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou the li that living water? So she's still taking him literally, and she's still maybe, maybe in her mind pondering this, but on the outward way, she's just asking him, how are you going to get this living water? Verse 12, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And so here again, we see the Old Testament coming into play. We see the idea of Jacob's well, the symbolism in that. And uh, it's got to make God kind of chuckle a little bit because she's saying, are you greater than Jacob? And Jesus, of course, is much greater than Jacob. Amen. He is God in the flesh. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. All right, so Jesus is drawing a comparison and he's using something earthly to point out something spiritual, which God often does in helping our simple minds grasp these deep theological concepts, these deep Christian beliefs that we can only understand sometimes if Lord gives us an example. And gosh, I learn so well from examples. I love examples. I need examples. I'm a visual learner. I'm an audio type of learner. I, I can read all day long, but I have to kind of train myself when I read and hear the Lord allows us to picture a well with water in it, and he draws a comparison and says those uh, that, that would uh, drink that water, they would thirst again. They would thirst again. It wouldn't satisfy forever. And anybody, uh, well, everyone drinks water. You know, uh, you drink some water, what happens? After a while, you're thirsty again. It might be an hour, it might be eight hours, but you'll be thirsty again. And the Lord is saying here of the water that he has, you'll never thirst again. And, and the idea is that when we uh, seek Christ and we accept Christ as Savior, our, our spiritual needs, and that could be f uh, fulfilled in the needs of our heart, uh, the needs of our mind, and the needs of our soul, our deepest needs are satisfied for an eternity. Our deepest needs are completely taken care of. You know, if you have water and you're hot and you have a big glass of water and you quench that thirst and you're good, what happens? You, you don't need water anymore until you get thirsty again. And what the Lord is saying is when you have me and when I, when I am king in your heart and you don't have any other idols and you don't have anything above me and you live for me and you are seeking me daily and you are drinking of me and feasting on me and who I am, right? When you do that, you, then you will not, no longer thirst. You will no longer have a desire for another God or a different God or um, some unusual thing spiritually because you'll be full. <laughs> have you ever met anybody that's a Christian that lives for God and says, I just wish there was another God or a God on top of this God or a, a little more of God? I can't get you know quite uh, what I want from God spiritually and I'm not fulfilled? No, of course not. When you seek the Lord, he delivers in abundance. And that's a picture of a, 
the wine at the wedding at Canaan. That's a picture of uh, feeding the thousands, the multitudes. Uh, that's a picture of uh, the fish breaking the nets. Everything that Jesus did, amen, he did in abundance because God gives in abundance. Our cup literally runs over. And when we take time to think about what he's done, we realize how blessed we've been in this life, how abundantly blessed we've been, and how he has given us so much, in, including his time and his patience and his long-suffering nature uh, to, to just allow us to be here today, uh, sinners that have been set free by Jesus Christ and the most abundant loving gift he could ever give was giving himself, amen? We couldn't do it. No one else could do it. We can't earn our salvation. Our works don't save us. Our pedigree doesn't save us. Our bank account doesn't save us. Church membership doesn't save us. Nothing saves us but the blood of Christ, amen? The sinless, spotless lamb that died for us on the cross. And we see here that there is purpose in living for God. Understand, number one, your purpose is to draw close to him and drink of that living water and you will be satisfied. The idea that Christians are joyful, that idea is that the joy in your heart is around Jesus, that you have no need. You know, the Bible talks about this idea as, as we uh, draw closer to God of wanting nothing, the idea that we don't covet anything, that we don't desire anything because we have everything we need in God. Uh, I've seen billboards and signs that says, Jesus is the answer to all your problems. And I'll have two reactions. Number one, I'll be like, amen, that's true. And number two, I'll imagine a lost person just rolling their eyes saying, there are those Christians go again. And just make a blanket statement like that. Because in this world, so many things are not black and white. But one thing is crystal clear. Jesus Christ is the answer to all our problems. And our purpose should be found in him, in who he is. And he was compelling that Samaritan woman to look to him, the one with all the problems, the one with all the heartaches, the one with all the broken relationships, he was compelling her saying, look, if you look to me, you'll be satisfied. But what do many people do? They look to the things of this world, unfortunately. Let's look to God today. Let's look to him for our satisfaction and our purpose, and he will deliver abundantly. Thank you for joining me. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of KJV Cafe. Have a question for Pastor Clark? Email him directly at clark at enduringpromise.org or visit kjvcafe.com and click the envelope button on the homepage. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. We'll close today with Psalm 119 verses 166 through 168. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee.